All right. A few weeks ago, we talked about one of our favorite quick tips ever, where you can hold down the command key and then drag a Windows title bar and it will drag in the background. It won't just bring it forward. That's a great tip. What we didn't know, but listener Allison shared with us this week is that you can grab the edges of a window in the background with the command key held down. It will stay in the background and you can resize it. But there's no visual indicator that this is going to happen. It just happens. Adding to that, in the pre-show chat, listener Alex said, if you then add the shift key, your resizing will focus on the middle of the window instead of the edge of the window. More tips like this and your questions answered today on Mac Geek Up 948 for Monday, September 26th, 2022. <music> Greetings, folks, and welcome to Mac Geek Up, the show where, indeed, you send in your questions, your tips, your cool stuff found to feedback at MacGeekGab.com. We take those questions, tips, and cool stuff found. We share them. We try to answer your questions. The goal is that we each learn at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include LinkedIn.com slash MGG, where you can go and post your first job for free. Otherworld Computing, where we'll get to talk about their Akidio Node Titan and the Envoy Pro FX. Rogue Amoeba is celebrating their 20th anniversary. Visit MacAudio.com before the end of the month and save 20% on anything they make. And visit LinkedIn.com. It's a fantastic social network where you get to talk with a community of more than 850 million people who care about the same things that you do. We'll talk more in depth about each and every one of these shortly here. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in relatively chilly Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Brown. And here in Lee, New Hampshire, well, well, we're recording. Happy first day of fall, about the third day of fall, fourth day by the time you hear this, uh, unless you're listening live. It's Pilot Pete. Thanks for having me, guys. It's always a thrill to be here. Fun stuff. We are also hearing that quick tip that we talked about in the beginning. For some people, it's actually the option key. For some people, it is the shift key. For me, it's definitely the uh, the uh, shift key, as I mentioned in the intro. But uh, So you're saying you have an option? Shift. Sorry. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, fun stuff. We've got, you know, we've got more quick tips to share. I think we should just keep rocking here. Let's do some, let's, should we do some Mac quick tips to start? Because, right, we've got a bunch of iOS quick tips. Obviously, iOS 16 just came out, but there's some for the Mac. And I think well, this then is, would be like the Mac Geek Gab if we did that. Well, you know, there is something to that. I, I would like to think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, let's see. Listener Jamie shares one with us that, uh, you know, many of us probably know things about, but uh, it's always good to dig into it. He says, you know, you can mirror your iPhone wirelessly with AirPlay to any nearby Apple TV. This is especially convenient for showing photos from your iPhone to other people. Instead of handing your iPhone around, your photos appear on the big screen. To do this, swipe down into Control Center and tap, which is from the right-hand corner of your iPhone screen, and tap the screen mirroring uh, icon. AirPlay devices on the same Wi-Fi network will appear in the list. Not only will this work with Apple TV boxes, 
but it will also work with many brands of TV sets and Roku boxes. And of course, this isn't just for iPhones. Like we said, it's for Macs. You can do the same thing on your Mac in display preferences. Uh, you can choose it from there or you can put a uh, you can put the little uh, menu bar widget up. Uh, and he says it's all happens completely wirelessly and devices uh, and with devices that you've never met before. The first time you airplay to a particular device, you might be asked to enter a four digit code and then you are good to go. Fun stuff. I love airplay. I, I, no, I don't want to I don't want to insult anybody, but if if that mirroring screen mirroring icon isn't in your control center, then go to settings control center and add it because oh, on the phone. Of the yeah. Things. yeah, that's how you yeah. get those things in your control center, the things you want and the things you don't want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's quite granular. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's good stuff. John, you want to take us to Craig? He's got one about the Mac. Yeah, this is a, a good one. It's like, thank you. And I ran into this once, Dave. <clears throat> Pardon? Uh, Craig says, ran into an issue when selling a 2021 M1 MacBook Pro. Had this confirmed as the guy I sold slash shipped it to had just done similar and had the exact same issue. Using Monterey's new Erase All Contents and Settings feature, uh, the process looks like it works completely correct until final reboot. And then the Mac goes into the out-of-box startup wizard. Okay. Um However, the MacBook may not have iCloud activation lock removed. You won't know this unless you go through the wizard to select Wi-Fi and it gets to the activation step. Then a message will pop up requesting for uh, requesting credentials for the iCloud account of the prior user. It is unclear what exactly caused this. Maybe it is intended, but most would think that any activation lock or find my registration is removed like it is when doing the same on an iOS device. Fortunately, the workaround is manageable, and I was impressed as to the DIY do-it-yourself solution, as historically, activation lock issues can get messy. Uh, The previous owner can log into the iCloud website, and then using Find My can click on the device uh, listed and appearing offline because it is still associated with your iCloud ID, and then remove the activation lock. A message will say the user... Uh, we'll say that when the activation lock is removed, it allows another person to activate the Mac device. Uh, and he sent us a snapshot. And uh, sure enough, remove from account is one of the options. So you and I ran into this, Dave, a while ago. I think well, I, I not gave this. you one of my old machines. I mean, something similar, but there was no find my, nor was there activation lock back, right. nor was there the erase all contents and settings, right? That's brand new in, in Monterey, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. But but yeah, they, like it, the Mac stayed associated with your account that um, like an old MacBook Pro or something that we gave to my daughter or something like that. Right. Like, I think I think that's that's what happened in the old days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I confirmed this. So uh, Apple has two useful articles. One is called what to do before you sell, give away or trade in your Mac. And this is for older machines that don't have this uh, handy new destroy everything feature. Um, but it's funny because they link to another article which explicitly shows, Dave, um, that if you do this operation, uh, it's supposed to remove the activation lock. And yeah. it doesn't. So it's lying. Well, it, it does. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've definitely done this and it has worked, right? Because I've swapped out mm-hmm. Max left and right. And it, it works at least some of the time I I would venture to say it probably works most of the time, but 
clearly in Craig's case, not all of the time. So it is worth after you do this going in on another Mac and just checking to make sure that it's no longer listed as part of your account. Yeah, because the iPhone has the same feature, right, and has for a very long time. And that turns off Find My and Activation Lock and all that stuff when you do that. And again, the Mac's supposed to, but maybe, I don't know, maybe if it lost connection at a critical spot in the in the process, it kept going, but never got the acknowledgement that things, I don't know, I'm spitballing here. It's what I do. So, yeah, but good to check. Yeah, it's good stuff. Thanks, Craig. Anything more on that? Or are we moving on to Joe? Let's go so to Joe. Wet just hit me in the ear. Were you spitballing? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, this is a fascinating one. He says, uh, I have over 1,500 books, uh, almost all EPUBs, in my Apple Books collection, formerly iBooks. Very few were purchased from Apple. Most were obtained over the years from various other sources. I'm a longtime client in good standing with Apple, but after seeing what happened to the guy who recently had his Google account canceled with his loss of all of his data, and remembering when Amazon temporarily froze listener Joe's account, and his access to his Kindle library uh, due to a billing misunderstanding. He says, I decided that it would be better to have those EPUBs backed up and easily accessible away from the Apple ecosystem. But those EPUBs are not easy to locate in the Finder. I found a Stack Exchange article, which we will link to in the show notes. He says, from that article, I learned that I can open the books folder on iCloud with a terminal command. And it's in... It's in your mobile documents folder. So it literally is in your iCloud folder. You just won't get to see it uh, when you are in the finder. You have to open it uh, from a terminal command. And we'll put that terminal command in the in the show notes for you. It says, but once you do, it's, it's in your mobile documents, iCloud folder, in the tilde Apple folder, in tilde iBooks, and then it's in documents. But we'll put that out there. He says... From there, you can simply copy the, the EPUB files to your preferred location. And he says, I'm considering using something like Chronosync or Carbon Copy Cloner uh, to keep the protected location synced. Although I'm really trying to resist getting more books until I can make some inroads in the ones that I have. Thank you for that, Joe. Yeah, that's I, I'm guessing that it would be backed. No, it wouldn't be backed up as part of Time Machine, would it? I don't think so. I think I think it would live on the cloud only. So. Um, you know, so yeah, I don't know. I think Pete's trying to talk to us, but I think Pete's also muted. So yeah, well, yeah there you go. We're gonna we're gonna let him talk now. <laughs> what were you What can were you, you trying to say, Pete? We can so, hear you. Yeah. Well, uh, what I was gonna say, there was actually a comment in there that uh, that blew right by, and I went, "Oh, I I already have a solution to that." Which was it, it, there was a billing dispute on his Audible account. And okay. He lost access to his Audible. Yeah, yeah. I use an app called Open or now what is it? <laughs> now I got to look for it. It's I think it's called Open Audible. Let me okay. Double check. Yes, Open Audible is the name of it. I, I it may be twenty or thirty dollars, but I use that and I convert all my Audible books to MP3. I've oh. paid for that book. It is mine. I don't share it. I don't sure. torrent it or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. But Open Audible converts it from the Audible proprietary format to an MP3 that I can listen to. And I first did it when I couldn't easily listen to it on my devices before the Audible app on your phone was any good. Right, right. But but that will prevent them from taking your audio books away from you. And if you cancel, see, if you cancel your account, I think uh, you've got a year and then it all turns off. 
Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Right, right. Ah, smart. All right. Well, yeah. 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 Thanks for uh, thanks for sharing that. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. And you want to be 100 percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you've got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. We use LinkedIn Jobs to find Sadie here. We all know how well that's turned out. And I tell you, we would not have found her. We started with like 70 candidates. It was amazing. We narrowed it down to like four that any of which I think would have been top tier. And that's, you know, a spoil of riches. Amazing. So all you got to do is add your job there and then the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Then they've got these simple tools like screening questions, which make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. This is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk with faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MGG. That's linkedin.com slash MGG to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's do some iPhone quick tips. Uh, David shares a fantastic tip on Twitter you know how you, you can uh, take a photo or a screenshot really is how I often use this and then use markup to uh, to, you know, mark up the picture. You draw shapes and arrows and diagrams on the back of each one. Well, you could do it on the front of each one. Arlo still hasn't gotten his wish that it can happen on the back, but we'll get there someday. Uh, if you draw, let's say, a square, hold your finger down after you finish drawing that square. And your lazy square, or at least my lazy square, your la your square might not be nearly as lazy as mine, but my lazy square then turns into a perfect square. The phone knows. And you can do it with triangles. You can do it with circles or ovals. Like it's not going to take an, uh, you know, I mean, if you draw a circle that's mostly a circle, but a little bit lopsided, it will turn it into a circle. But if you draw an oval and hold down, then it will turn that into a very nice oval. It's pretty amazing. This has existed for a while. This is not a new thing in iOS 16, but uh, I, I, I think I had known it and forgotten it. And that's why I wanted to include it in the show. So thank you, David, for, for sharing that with us. Great stuff. Fun. What's next, John? Uh, ben is next. Um, so Ben says, the first time I deleted a conversation in messages after upgrading to iOS 16, I learned that messages now saves recently deleted messages like photos conversations hang around for 30 to 40 days before getting permanently deleted. This filter is always in edit mode, so you can't view a conversation while it's listed. You can only delete or recover one or more selected conversations or all using the buttons at the bottom when nothing is selected. Uh, and yes, that's true. Yeah, I checked it out. Nice. Cool. Um, yeah, if you hold down edit, one of the choices is show deleted, uh, show recently deleted. And you can also get there in the, if you go, uh, if you have your filters up, you can go and see that in the list, right? So if you're in messages, and this was a quick tip that we did a couple of weeks ago about iOS 16, 
where if you go in to messages and uh, it is settings, messages, filter unknown senders. So this is on your iPhone in the settings app, go to messages and then, I don't know, probably most of the way down the settings screen there is filter unknown senders. Once you do that, you get a little filters button in the upper left-hand corner of messages. And if you tap that, you see all messages, known senders, unknown senders, unread messages, which I love, and recently deleted. So uh, so you can, you can yeah. get to them there, and, too. Yeah. And the cool thing is, if you really don't want it, you can go into recently deleted and delete oh. that message. You can get rid of it now. Right. Now, here's and one then, thing. Uh, Though I had an experience I had a while ago. Uh, here's one thing that doesn't delete, um, and that's your phone voicemail. Uh, a friend of mine, you know, I called a friend of mine and left him a message, and then he called me back, and he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, did you know that um, your voicemail's full? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and sure enough, there's a deleted messages category, but none were deleted. I guess, I guess it's, I don't know if the, really? the phone decides when to do that at. or... You know, my my uh, carrier didn't do it right. I don't know, but yeah. So your voicemail can get full, huh? Interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. So here's the other. Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead, Pete. Yeah, I'm 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 thinking. Okay. Well, you guys are looking at that. Here's the other thing that you do. If you go into unknown senders, if you go to the filters and you get and you go to unknown senders, this is back in chat, not on the phone app. Um. I get, uh, you know, you get the political ones and all that kind of stuff. If you if you then take that conversation, you've deleted it or no, I'm sorry, it's unknown senders. Um, if you take that conversation and you swipe it to the left, you get an option to flag it or delete it. And if you click the click on delete at the bottom, it'll come up and say, uh, you, are you sure? And then you can report it as junk as you do. After you say, yes, I want to delete it. It will say report as junk or don't report. So uh-huh. I like to do that, too. That's um, interesting. I don't know. What What do you think that does? Does that help if you report it as junk? Does, does Apple and the carriers uh, yeah, do anything with that? You know, feedback at MacGeekGab.com if anybody knows the answer to that. I certainly don't. Okay, so feedback at MacGeekGab.com and tell us. That's right. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Pete, you blew our minds in the pre-show with a quick tip that I think needs to be shared, my friend. It wasn't me. Nobody saw me. You can't prove a thing. All right. No, in all seriousness. So here's the cool thing. And and they showed this during the iOS event. back at, Was it WWDC when they did iOS 16? It was. It, it, it was, again, it was something that just kind of went in passing. But if you go into iOS 16 photos app, you can select it and take a photo and get full screen on it. If you long press on the object in the center of the photo, and it could be an airplane, could be a person, it could be a dog, an airplane and a dog, a person and a dog, whatever. If you long press, it will automatically pull that person or that object out of the photo and leave the background behind. So you've just got the per- the individual. Like in the old days, you used to try to erase the background, and half an hour later, you were almost there, and it was kind of raggy. This is amazing magic. So then what you do, once you've got that object, it, it, you slide your thumb a little bit or your finger, and, and it will take the object on the screen and you can see that the background's been removed. Then take your other fin- hand and finger and swipe up from the bottom, and you can take, you know, then select messages. Select the message and drop that person right into a message. Drop that object right into a message, and you can send it and share it that way as well. 
Um, but you can use it to other apps as well. I imagine you could take it to some kind of a photo editor or even, I know what I've, I take it back. I, I used pages on my iOS. I was able to take an object out of the photo and drop it into pages. So it's sans the background. It's basically like a, a .png file with, an, with a transparent background. But, is what right. It yeah. It's okay. So it, it, it just removes the background uh and and leaves you with the, either the people or the objects or both. Like I, I had um, I had taken a picture of my family earlier this week, and when we were going through it, I tested it with that. And I, when I held on one person, the other two people came with them as yeah. I as I dragged this out. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And and you're right. We used to fight for hours with Photoshop or whatever to do this, and and now it just happens literally with the flick of a finger. Or the press. It's like there's someone at Apple listening to these sorts of things that this is what we want to do, and then they mathematically apply it. And yeah, there's a bunch of math geniuses somewhere at Apple. (laughs) I have no idea where. Um, All right, PC Unix shares a quick tip in our Discord about uh, deleting apps on the iPhone, and says, I don't know if this has always been true, but I've often been unable to find an app that I want to delete. This gets especially true when we like only use the uh, crap. What do we call that thing where we don't use home screens anymore with the app library? Thank you. Uh, you know, if, if you don't know where an app is, you can't delete it. Well, he says, I accidentally noticed that if I search for an app, I can Press and hold on the app in the search results and I get a dialog box that will let me delete this. I think this is new to iOS 16 because I I am certain in my heart of hearts that I've tried this in the past. Now, I might be fundamentally wrong about my certainty here, but uh, but when he when I read this, I'm like, no, no, I've, I've tried this before. It doesn't work. And then sure enough, obviously it works. So I think it's new to iOS 16, but. Even if it's not, if it's new to you, it doesn't matter when Apple added it. That's the beauty of all of this. That's what we and when you do the this. search yeah. in there, it tells you what folder it's in. If you want to go to that specific folder, assuming you use folders on your. If you still uh, use iOS. folders. Yeah, I gave up on that when I wiped oh, my phone two, yeah, mm-hmm. two years ago. Whenever whenever App Library came out, I was like, that's it. I'm going to have one home screen that I organize with the important things. And then the rest I'm just going to search for. Oh, I should consider doing that then because I've been using folders for years. Same. And it got unwieldy. Like, I don't know. I, what I found was I created so many different folders that all I was doing was searching for the app to launch it. And it was like, wait, wait, Apple, I feel seen, you know, at that WWDC keynote when they were like, stop doing that. If you don't want to, you're welcome to keep doing it. But if you don't like that, just use search. It's amazing. Well, and thank goodness the developers at Apple at least wouldn't let you put folders within folders or imagine how deep that would go. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Thank goodness for that. Yeah. 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 Because I've almost done it. And I was like, oh, I want to put that. Oh, it's already in a folder. Okay. Yeah. And and to be to be uh, to sort of tug on this thread a little bit. I used to, you know, search has gotten so much better than it used to be. And I know that I'm saying, I'm stating the obvious, but I'll, I'll share a specific example. And it's mail. When I first started using email and, you know, long before Apple had a mail client, long before Mac OS 10, uh, I, I found this graphical client that I, I think we all use, John. I know I certainly know you used it called Eudora and it was great, right? It would connect to our pop servers. Cause this was before we, we used IMAP, even though IMAP predates pop uh, technologically speaking. But anyway, uh, 
you couldn't you could search in Eudora, but it would take forever to find anything. Right. So all I would do was file things in folders and subfolders. And I had, I think, over fifteen hundred folders where I stored my mail and that migrated with me. And you know what? I still have those folders, but I stopped using them maybe 10 years ago. And I have one archive folder that I save to. And once a year I will go and take like at the, it, it, when, when January, 2023 hits, I will take all of the like 2021 and prior and put that in like a, an archive archive folder just to really to keep me from using too much space on my IMAP server is really where that comes from. Ooh, you got to tell me how to do that. Well, <laughs> there's only a show to talk about that. If so. only there was. Um, so <clears throat> it gets tricky. Uh, that, yeah. On the surface, it's not tricky at all. Uh, right. On the surface, it is simple. You just create the new folder. On, I create it on my Mac, like in that section called sure. on my Mac and mail. And then I highlight, I go into my, my archive folder and Mm -hmm. I select all of the messages that are from say, you know, 2021 or whatever year, whatever time period. And I right click on it and I say, move to the new folder that I've created. And you can drag too, but I I get, I get nervous. (laughs) Whoops. Yeah. Don't, don't drop them in the wrong place. Correct. Yeah. Cause this is going to be an ordeal no matter how you slice it. And then you you let them move and you and it will take sometimes hours for this to happen. Mail's activity window isn't entirely clear with you about what it's doing and how you kind of need to just trust that over time it will work. I confirm it by checking on whatever server I'm using. So if, you know, if, if I was using Gmail, I would log into the Gmail web interface. I use FastMail, so I log into the FastMail interface and just make sure, okay, yeah, look, all of those are there. Okay, great. It's, you know, good to go. I suppose nice. I could do it if the web interface, oh, no, the web interface wouldn't allow it because uh, I'm moving to an on my Mac folder. The whole idea is to get it off of the server. It works, And that part all works. So here we are. The problem The only asterisk that I should add, and it's a huge one, is if you use Gmail. And I mean Gmail as Gmail or Google Apps for domains or whatever. If if Google is in charge of your mail server, it doesn't really do IMAP. We've had this conversation on the show a few times, and this is one of those times where it really matters. Because what will happen is Google treats what your mail client sees as folders, Google treats as labels. And so when you move something out of a folder, Google just removes the label of that folder. So it doesn't put it in the trash. It just leaves it in your all mail folder on Google. And so I had to come up with a secret, not secret. I will, I will, I will put an example of it out here, but you've really got to craft your own search carefully to make sure you're excluding the boxes that you don't want to delete. Uh, but I, I came up with a, a, uh, an advanced search and that's a Google term uh, for finding all of these orphaned messages, if you will, that aren't in an archive folder. They aren't in a sent folder unless you want to remove things from your sent folder, but I think you should archive those before you remove them. So finding all these orphaned messages and then identifying them so that you can select them and delete them. So if you're using Google, you have to do this extra step because otherwise you, it won't it won't clear them off the server. They'll just be sitting in like purgatory somewhere. So 
Does that make sense? Am I am I making sense? Yeah, it does. Ones? Okay. I've, I have never I've got in my archive inbox messages back to 2003. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, I just, I've never considered archiving that away to, to so that my search would even go faster. Or, yeah, know, just, I don't know that search goes any. I mean, search is super efficient yeah. now anyway, because yeah, it's building it indexes. Is. So this the only reason I do this is because I, I only pay for a, a fixed amount of space on the, the mail servers that I choose to use. And I choose not to yeah. run my own mail server. We've we've had that conversation. Fair I, I yeah. am running one I, as a test. I'm using a domain that nobody else knows about. And I do have mail coming into my Synology just so I can speak to that as if as questions come in. Uh, if you want to hack Dave's mail server, the address is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Holy linear time, Batman. When we started this podcast, we were using this new software from a new company it was only a few years old called Audio Hijack Pro to do all the recordings. And now Rogue Amoeba Software is celebrating their 20th anniversary. <laughs> Yikes. This means two full decades making amazing audio apps for the Mac that work. Like we were using this stuff when they were three years old and we're still using it today. If you're a podcaster, a musician, or just someone who listens to audio on their Mac, Rogue Amoeba can make your life better. Whatever you want to do with audio, it's a good bet they have a tool to help you. With Audio Hijack, you can record any audio. Loopback gives you extremely powerful audio routing without needing cables or mixers. And SoundSource, amazing, is the sound control that should be built into macOS. I use all three of these. Rogue Amoeba doesn't run constant gimmicky sales or discounts. They charge fair prices all the time. But... In celebration of their anniversary, they're making an exception, folks. For a very limited time to celebrate their 20 years in business, you can get, you guessed it, 20% off any purchase from Rogue Amoeba. You don't need any coupon codes or special URLs. Just visit macaudio.com before the end of September to save 20% on anything they make. Download free trials, then buy online to receive the discounted price. And hey... Congrats to Rogue Amoeba on 20 great years. Visit them at macaudio.com and my thanks to them for sponsoring this episode. All right. Uh, let's let's answer some questions that came in to feedback at macgeekgab.com, shall we? John, you want to start us with uh, Sushil, I believe, right? Sushil. Yes. Sushil says, I hope all is well. Me too. Um, I have been struggling with it with an issue on an iMac Retina 5K 27 inch 2020 at work running macOS 12.6 and opening the App Store app. When I do, I get a blank screen. I have looked at several online forums for advice, which included make sure macOS is up to date, try to say freeboot to uh, clear caches, reset the SMC, reset the PRAM and VRAM. Signed out of iCloud on this computer, then reboot and signed back in. I did that too. None of these worked, and I still have a blank screen. Any advice you might give? It's frustrating as I was able to download software from the App Store previously. Um, when I hear this happening, Dave, um, I blame caches. <laughs> and okay. I've, I've, I've had to do this before. I've had it where the App Store gets confused and nothing nothing appears or you know there's an update and and you don't see it um 
I mean, yeah, SafeBoot does clear out some caches, but I don't think it cleared out the cache that you need to clear out. So I think you got to target the App Store caches. Um, and I found various write-ups to tell you how to do this, but I think the best one is from MacPaw. Oh. And they have a nice article that says, okay, you can do it the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> okay, what, what's, the, what's the easy way? <laughs> um, the easy way is to use um, uh, Clean My Mac. Oh, no great surprise. They make clean my Mac. Okay, that's yes. fair. That, of course. No, that's fair. What but I'm glad they give the hard way. So what's the what's the hard way? Um yeah, what are they the doing hard, in the background? Yeah, right. It, the hard way is yeah, exactly. to go to the terminal and then they give you um various paths that you need to clear out. Okay. Um Oh. Yeah, that's it. So um it, it's basically chucking select folders that all have the word app store in them. So if you want to understand what's, what's, you know, underneath the covers, then, uh, this, it'll teach you, it'll teach you, uh, how to do that in the terminal. If that's your thing. Amazing. I like that. That's great. And, nice. and you know what? I, I, I mean, I'm a nerd, obviously <laughs> I don't need to say that out loud. So I appreciate knowing what's happening under the hood, even if I choose to let something else handle it. And to MacPaw's credit, they give you the hard way first. They tell you how to do it. And then they say, or if you'd like to do it, the easy way, if you'd like us to handle this for you, we have clean my Mac, which I, I mean, I, I think that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, there's a lot right with that is what I want to say. So, yeah. And that is one of those apps that is just, that's an essential. That's like one of the first one or two apps I make sure I have on a new machine, which you can do with setup. That's right. Yeah. Good in setup. So, yeah. Uh, we have been getting inundated in, in a good way with questions and comments and thoughts about eSIMs. I, like we've gotten piles of email into Mac Geek Up about it. Many of you have been texting me or emailing me personally about it. It's fine. You know, it's like it's great. You all know that I will take the texts that you send me and and work them into the show if, if, if it works that way. In fact, those of you that have been doing that already know that that's the answer. Uh, but it is better when they come into feedback at MacEcab.com because that way everybody gets to see it and uh, we get to, you know, kind of work on it together. Lots about eSIM. Robert asks a question. He says, I know you've talked about your own experiences and mentioned using the iPhone outside the U.S. a few times, but could you do a deeper dive or maybe answer the questions I have? Let's do the latter. Uh, if I'm only going to one or two countries, uh, should I buy a local country specific eSIM or just buy a global one anyway. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of, I'll let him ask it. I'll, I'll read his questions and then we'll, we'll go through it. He says, do I have to sign up and load the eSIM company's app like TruePhone or whatever, just to see the actual prices? It seems like not consumer friendly or maybe even bait and switch. And most important, since these eSIMs are data only, what do you recommend for VoIP app service to make telephone calls? Many of us don't have the luxury of only using our email contact for iMessage or text messages. So how do you handle the reality of people not being able to reach us by the phone number they always use? Does this mean incoming telephone calls are not feasible unless some kind of hack workaround with call forwarding or third party service is put into place? Okay, so to answer the first two questions, which is which SIM should I buy and what is the price? I know I've said it a million times, and that might not even be an exaggeration, uh, but eSIMDB.com is a, an amazing resource. 
you if I'm only visiting one or two countries, let, let's take a specific example. When we went to Greece earlier this year, I knew that we were flying into Athens. Uh, we were going to spend some time in Athens and then take a cruise, which wound up in Venice, Italy. Well, really, it wound up in Ravenna because Venice, since covid uh, has decided they don't want big cruise ships coming into their town anymore, their city anymore. But anyway, I needed Italy. I needed Greece. Turned out I also needed a few other countries because the the cruise was stopping at ports that weren't just Greek islands. So, okay, great. I knew we were going to Croatia and a few other places. Fine. I knew I had my list. I went to eSIMDB. I knew how much data I wanted to buy. And we all will overestimate how much data we think we use, right? So... And, and, you know, within reason, the prices aren't going to be terrible. So I, I think I bought three gigs per person uh, on our eSIMs, which was more than enough for us because we were mostly on Wi-Fi in different places. But, you know, just having some some data. And I don't think any of us even got close to using our three gigs. But uh, and then I looked at I knew how long I needed it to last for, which is another parameter you can set with eSIMDB. And finally, I knew what countries I needed it to be in. And so I narrowed it down by countries and was able to select uh, a family of eSIMs that all uh, would have fit my needs. And then I just chose them based on price or speed or whatever. I mean, it just gives you all this data. And then, yes, uh, once I selected one, eSIMDB doesn't sell SIMs. My guess, my hope is that they get an affiliate kickback from the places that I do choose to use because I want eSIMDB to make money. Maybe I should just send them some money. In fact, I think I might do that. Uh, but, you know, then they they say, okay, you're going to go with Redphone for this one. I'm like, okay, I've never heard of Redphone before. And it's like, yep, sure enough, I download the Redphone app. In there is the eSIM for exactly the price that eSIMDB told me it would be. Sometimes there's even a coupon code on eSIMDB to get the price down to, to something and probably give them their their kickback, which is great. You know, I love it. And uh, and then I just and then using the app is sort of the magic that installs the eSIM on your phone. And and then while you're using it, you can use the app to see your progress and all of that stuff. So. Yes, eSIMDB will answer all of those questions. And I got to say, of the emails and texts and all of that stuff that I got this week, I, I think like 75% of them were answered by saying, visit eSIMDB.com. You, you might just see all of your answers on the screen in front of you. So I will continue saying that, but proactively visit eSIMDB.com, folks. To answer, go, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I'll, I'll get to a second question in a minute here. But. Oh, okay. Uh, so I, I've, I guess I have a couple comments and questions. I'm not sure which. Sure. Uh, the, the, the one in there was about the uh, the calling, and I think I've just used Wi-Fi calling when I'm on my data overseas. Usually it works. Every now and then it'll get hinky and says, hey, you have to turn off airplane mode to make a call, which is very frustrating. It's like, no, no, I'm, I've got Wi-Fi connected to the internet, uh, and, and I've had it fight me. I yeah. don't know. I don't know why it does that to this day. So maybe that, someone does. That only me. works when you're on Wi-Fi, though. Right. So if you right. are out and about and you want to get a phone call and you're on your your yeah. data only, you know, international eSIM or whatever it is you're using. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You, okay. you don't get like, uh, I, you, you know, I use that. It's called a Pokefy. Which sure. Is Fifteen dollars for five gigabytes and it's global global data. And, yeah. and that works out pretty well as well. But I'm, I'm excited about the, uh, the eSIMDB. But the question, the other question that comes up in my mind, isn't there a number, a limit to the number of eSIMs? 
And does going to a different carrier replace one of those eSIMs? All right. So you've you've added a lot of questions to this, which is amazing. Sorry. No, it's great. So hold, hold my beer and watch this. Here yeah, come more. <laughs> the, welcome to Pilot Pete, everyone. This is no, this is why we love having you on the show. Uh there is a limit to the number of eSIMs that can be installed on your iPhone at any one time. And then there is another limit as to the number of eSIMs that can be active on your iPhone at any one time. So the number that can be installed ranges from somewhere between four and 10. And it depends on which model phone you have. And Apple's even sort of vague about this too. But the, the reality is for what most people are doing, you're there's like, plenty. there's plenty, right? So you've got plenty of, of, of space for eSIMs on your phone. Where things get interesting is the number of active eSIMs on phones that support dual SIM, which I believe is the 10R and later, uh, you can have, as the name might imply, two SIMs active at any point in time. Up through and including all iPhones 12, that is one physical SIM that can be active and one eSIM that can be active. But you cannot have two eSIMs active Unless you have an iPhone 13 or later, the 13s, the 13s are sort of the at, at, at the moment anyway, the most flexible iPhones in terms of SIMs because they have a physical SIM tray, which we don't have in the U.S. version of the iPhones 14, and they can support having two eSIMs active or one eSIM and one physical SIM active. So uh, I highly recommend that if you've got a 12 or earlier, you do not move your primary carrier to an eSIM so that you leave that e that active that could be active eSIM slot for uh you know your international needs on on a whim right and and then you just use the physical sim for your for your uh you know for your your main stuff I almost did that last week so right. I'm so glad I didn't now but, I have that option to use right. eSIM.db.com John, John took one for the team he did convert his Verizon sim right over to an eSIM but you say you might get an iPhone 14 so that would solve that problem otherwise you just go to the Verizon store and get a sim from them and and convert back right but before you do any international traveling which I would highly recommend mm. one or the other um, Yeah but one thing I did find well yep. you and I found so the thing is, I now have two eSIMs installed on my 12, but as you pointed out, only one can be active. Uh, so I decided, uh, after I converted my Verizon physical SIM, or they call it a P-SIM, to an eSIM, I'm then like, oh, you know what, let, let me try T-Mobile again. And I was able to install it, um, but the thing is, my other line was then marked as inactive. Um no, no need to panic. That That's fine. Uh, I was able to switch back. Here's the bad news. Um, if you switch uh, on the 12 from one eSIM to the other, messages will lose, um, will not be bond, bound to your cell phone number. You have to manually reinstate that. Which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah and I guess you catch. determined that because in messages, my bubble was the wrong color. Yeah, you went right? back to SMS. You were you were you were no longer an iMessage. You went green, man. <laughs> All right. So uh, hey, this is great. I, this is why I wanted to have this conversation because I I knew there were a lot of things to share. I to answer Robert's question, which then also became your question, Pete. 
what do you recommend doing for phone calls when traveling? Because he's right. People that are S people that are iMessaging you will get through because that happens over data, right? Even if they iMessage to your phone number, iMessage knows to send it to your iMessage account and everything's good. Uh, but people who SMS you and people who call you will not get through. Uh, they, if they call you, they'll get through on Wi-Fi calling. SMS might get through on Wi-Fi calling. It happens sometimes, not all the times. Uh, but generally speaking, you will be in a less reachable state if you turn off your uh your primary SIM, which you can do, right? You, you get the ability to do that in phone settings. Once you have two SIMs active at a time or two SIMs installed, you can choose which ones are active, uh, you know, and, and which one is used for data and all that great stuff. However, uh, what I do is I add like five bucks worth of international credit to my uh, international calling and SMS credit to my primary phone number for me, it's mint, but it doesn't matter. And that way, when I'm traveling abroad, I can get inbound phone calls and inbound SMS to my primary number. I turn off data on my primary number because I don't want to use the it's expensive international data. I use data on my data only eSIM and I get the best of both worlds. And I think with, with mint inbound SMS, is free internationally and it's only outbound SMS. That's right. It's it, not, uh, but you, you know, I wanted the ability. Money on. Yeah. Phone calls are certainly cost money coming in and out and I wanted to be reachable. So that's what I did. And you know, for five bucks and on my carrier again, mint, I'm able like that five bucks lives with me until I burn it up. It's not like it's, it's time limited or something. So, um, so that works great for me. I, I haven't used it for a while. And, and again, this may not solve it anyway, because someone like my mother, who's 96, would never use it. But I'm wondering, it, it, isn't WhatsApp somehow tied to your phone number? Would that be a way to have that running and get a call? As long as the person calling or texting you is using WhatsApp, yes. They have to use WhatsApp, too. That's yeah, the, yeah okay. there's no bridge between WhatsApp and your phone number. You're right that yeah, it's okay. tied to your phone, but only for authentication and identification, not for the actual calls. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that would be a way to make international telephone calls to your phone. But the person has to know, like I say, my mother would never use WhatsApp. Correct. Um, you know, I, she, I she think, uses the iPad for email and that's about it. So. I think if, if your mother or my mother or, or anyone who would generally not use WhatsApp, I think if they didn't live in the U S I think they might use WhatsApp. WhatsApp is extremely popular internationally especially in europe like anyone that we dealt with in europe was like oh yeah just you know send it to me on whatsapp and i wonder if that has to do with them getting data plans or phone plans that you know only have data when they travel or something because that you know i mean we we travel from state to state like they travel from country to country <laughs> you know yeah. and, and so yeah. I, I i wonder if that was part of the driving force of of making whatsapp so popular because whatsapp is and I'm, I'm I'm glossing over a lot of things, but WhatsApp is essentially cross-platform iMessage, right? Where it's a data connection that can do voice, it can do text, it can do images, you know. It's it's it, but it's cross-platform. So if your Android friends want to talk to you, you just use that because iMessage obviously is mostly Apple only. So yeah, 
fun stuff. And Dave, I, I, I will mention, I just, so you can mark it at uh, about 10 seconds ago, your video and audio was delayed a little bit and okay. then it actually broke up. I don't John, did you get that? I don't think John did. I think it's oh, you. We've been oh, getting, we've been getting oh, issues. Great. from it's me. Yeah. 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 Sorry. No, nope, no worries. <laughs> no worries at all. I'll go back to my corner. <laughs> All right, sweet. Our first sponsor today is one of my favorite companies, Otherworld Computing at MacSales.com. That is where John and I go anytime we need to add things to our Macs because the folks at OWC know what they're doing. They've got great customer support and they've got great products like the OWC Envoy Pro FX. This is a Thunderbolt bus powered portable NVMe SSD, the fastest, most compatible drive ever made with speeds up to 2800 megabytes Per second, I know. OWC's Aura SSD is inside this thing. This has advanced storage tech with trim support combined with Thunderbolt. That's why it delivers the fastest and most reliable performance available in a portable drive. It's built like a tank. I've got one of these things. It is rock solid. You can get capabilities from 240 gigs at 219 all the way up to 4 terabytes at 899 that sweet spot of one terabyte, two terabytes is like $349, $499. Very cool stuff. They've also got the Akidio Node Titan. This is the plug-and-play Thunderbolt 3 external GPU. You've heard about eGPUs. This is it. OWC's got it. You can buy it empty for $249 to add your own GPU to their chassis. You can buy it with a Radeon RX 6600 XT for $699 or a Radeon RX 6800 XT for $17.99. Go check it all out. Otherworld Computing at MaxSales.com and our thanks to Otherworld Computing for sponsoring this episode. All right. Uh, we have an interesting problem to solve, gentlemen. This is something that has been plaguing us for years. Apple has introduced a potential solution, but it's up to us to take it the final mile. I'm up for the challenge. I hope you're up for the challenge and smile delivery. There you go. And listeners, I really hope you're up for the challenge because I think this is a geek challenge. So with iOS 15 and prior, there was no way to dictate the, uh, an emoji, right? You, if you said, uh, you know, winking face emoji, that would literally be what was texted those words to the person on the other end. And they would have to intuit that this was, you with a winking face. But now with iOS 16, you can say, I can say Siri, send winking face emoji to pilot to pilot Pete. If I have you in as pilot Pete and, uh, and it will do that. And you will get the actual winking face emoji. Now, of course, if Siri, if you're hearing my messages with Siri, you will hear the same thing back. It will say winking face emoji, uh, but it will be there in all its glory. That emoji. The question is, how do we know what these emojis are called? Now, listener Ari sent us a note showing that Apple will, I believe, once share with you what that is. And the way Ari did this, the way Ari got messages to show this is he was using dictation. So not Siri, but dictation where you hit the little microphone on the keyboard. So he, was, he went into the messages app, hit the little dictation something. And I did the same thing. I said, you know, out loud, I said, hey, I'm just testing something. And then while dictation was still active, I tapped the emoji button and hit that winking face emoji. 
and a little tooltip popped up and it says emoji at the top of it. While you dictate, say winking face emoji. So we now know one of them. We don't know the rest of them. And there are hundreds of emojis. So I tried this again. I wouldn't happen. I couldn't get it to show me again with winking face emoji. I couldn't get to show me with the crying cat or whatever that's supposed to be. Nothing. Uh, so that's rude. Where's the list? Where is the list of all of the emoji names that Apple is using? It's got to. I, 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 I was about to say it's got to exist somewhere. I know where it exists. It exists inside our phones. But how do I see it? That's the key. All right. No list for you. No. Alex S. might have the answer in the chat, or at least one of them. He says, on a Mac, the help text that you can float over will show you what that is. So if I pull up the emoji window and I float over a thing, I see face with tears of joy. Uh, I see rolling on the floor laughing face. I see... Oh, let me float over this one because that should be the same as apples. Why am I not seeing it? Uh, skull. And then, yeah, winking face. So this is it. So you say, okay, so the, the, the Mac will show these to us. If we bring up, I bring it up in a text field with uh, control command space is how I bring up the emoji uh, list. And then if I float my mouse over them, it will show the name of it. So we just say, you know, uh, uh, Siri send uh, what, what did I call it uh, rolling on the floor laughing face emoji to John and it will do that so yeah all right thanks Alex that's that's one place so it, it exists on our Macs as well as our iPhones interesting okay. I can give you another one amazing here we go all right on the Mac hold down control command and spacebar John that's literally what we just told everyone to do Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I was fiddling with it, trying to. to... <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that, so, no, so, you were saying you can do it through dictation and you hover over something. So this and, is a and, little different. And then Alex, it listen back to the show. It's all there. Okay. It's, it's, we, we went through exactly this and, and that's how we're finding the names of these. It's, it's command control space, which in and of itself is its own quick tip that brings up the emoji mm -hmm. uh, thing. And then you float your mouse over those and that's where you get those names. Yes. And I found that I've, because uh, I do it all the time accidentally, if I tap my function key on my MacBook Pro, uh, 2021 MacBook Pro, that's that's when the emojis pop up for me, if I just tap the function key all by itself. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, huh. um, there the it comes function up. key, really? Yeah. It, so, uh, I'm on a... It's got a little globe on it down in the bottom left corner. So, I have a different keyboard than you. Okay. And I hit the function key and nothing. Oh, the lit it's not the function key. It's the emoji key. Your keyboard has uh, the, okay. it has the alternate emoji. keyboard key is yes. what that globe yes. means. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So that's what's going on there. So, oh, but wait, I don't, wait, when I wait, use wait. regular keyboard. Hang, okay. hang on. Because Kiwi Graham in the chat says, uh, the function key is now the globe key. And Paul Franz follows up with that and says, try it twice. So I tapped it twice. And unfortunately, nothing happened. But, you know, there you go. Some of you might be. If I do it twice. Days. It goes away. It comes <laughs> up and goes away. <laughs> but Fair. that's, you know, that's my keyboard again. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. If, if, I'm, if I'm on the iOS keyboard and I, and I hit dictation and start 
going. And then I tap the globe key. It just brings up, I have to uninstall, I think, Swift key keyboard, because that's what I've been using for years. Before you could swipe, I used Swift key to, to swipe uh, rather than type out each individual character in iOS. Yeah. Yeah. And so I couldn't get, I can't get the emojis up on my iPhone with, uh, with the regular iOS keyboard. So I'm going to have to uninstall Swift key, I believe. Because um, that's the only place I have that key. I'll double check. But yeah. I think when I'm in, yeah, I don't have any way to get to emojis on my iOS keyboard except hitting the alternate keyboard. And that's when Swift key comes up. Then I can do the emojis. Wait, wait, so, wait. If you're on Apple's normal keyboard yeah. on uh, iOS 16, certainly yeah. uh, the key next to the left of the space bar for me is a little smiley face and I can tap that and it brings up the emoji keyboard right away. I get one, two, three. Wait, ABC. wait, you're not using Apple's default keyboard. Are you? You're, you're like swift key is your default keyboard. No, uh, that's probably, it's probably defaulted to swift key. Yeah. Okay. So if I default it back to the Apple key, then it would come back to me that way. I bet. Yes, that's right. So, all right. Yeah. I'll, I'll punch with that later and get back to you next week. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, as we're digging here, Kiwi Graham shares correctly that if you tap and hold on the globe, it will show you a list of all active installed keyboards and you can choose the emoji keyboard from there. This is on your iPhone. I know we're going back and forth very quickly between yeah. the iPhone and the Mac here, folks, but uh, the command control space, that's on your Mac. Tap and hold on the globe, that's on your iPhone. The globe key on Pete's keyboard on his M1 MacBook Air, which I believe what you have, that's its own special key. So, yeah. Whew. Yeah. Lots, lots of balls in the air. But it's I right. like it. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. At least it didn't change us. What's that? At least we aren't juggling change us. Wait, I'm also doing that, Pete. Yeah. Well, I always do that during the show. That's with your feet. It, yeah. Well, it helps keep me calm. That's right. <laughs> Only drummers can do that. Uh, only drummers. Yeah. You know, I was thinking the other day, uh, we've gone like it, the, the technology is amazing because I heard someone in I was in a bar last night seeing uh, my friend Tim McCoy's band as well as the Super Suckers. And I heard somebody say what I now know is move rings. But what I thought I heard them say was mood rings like we've gone. We are. We've gone, right, that's how old we are. We've gone from mood rings to move rings, and uh, and that's that's pretty interesting. So um, that's, you know, it's just I, from mood rings to move rings. That's the, yeah. the story of our lives. I, I have Two to- Two generations separated by a common language. I, yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. These are the things we care about. I have to share something probably irreverent uh, in retrospect- and I, I will think it was a reverend in retrospect after I share it here, but it was one of the funniest things I've ever heard on stage. I was playing a Macworld all-star band gig and I will not share which musician said this to me, although he probably would appreciate the credit. I, I, I don't want to out uh, him in this regard, but uh, we were in the middle of a show and I, the, the concept of, I don't know, something came up. I think he he had never played the song in Agata Davida before, which we've never played. And he what he said to me as a way of emphatically sharing that he was would was never going to play that song. It might have been in Agata Davida, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. The phrase he used that I'm taking a long time to get to was one of the my favorite things I've ever heard on stage. And it was he's like he said, Dave, 
I went from LSD to Viagra without playing in Agata Davida. I'm not going to start now. But that whole that that was that said it said so much in such a efficient way. And of course, I took a very inefficient path to get there. But yeah, from mood rings to move rings. That's per- perhaps the um, less irreverent way of saying the the other yeah. phrase. Yeah. So anyway, and possibly a show title. And possibly a show title. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I will have to make sure to share this segment. I, I think this person still listens to this show. So um, thank you for that. You know who you are. All right, John, save us. Will you take us to Gary, please? Okay. <clears throat> Gary says, or writes, I do basic help desk support for a bank and the employees who do web design, marketing, or anything graphics related. Uh, they're typically issued MacBook Pros, and we cannot remote in and take over their machines since we all have issued Dell, Lenovo, or Microsoft Surfaces. I received two calls this past week where the clients are reporting that their company-issued Macs are going back to December 31st, 1969, at a time of 7 a.m. Mm. Um, that jumped out at me because... Um, that is very close to, and I think it's a slightly adjusted version of what many of us call the epoch, which is where Unix clocks start. So it is exactly epic time, John, because epic time for Unix starts January 1st of 1970, yes. right? But, but it starts January 1st, 1970 at midnight UTC uh, time. Mm-hmm. Which, when translated to, say, Pacific time, which is Pacific daylight time, which is where this listener is, backs it up to uh, December 31st, 1969. It goes it goes back. How many hours, Pete? Thank you. Seven hours. Seven hours. There you go. Yes. UTC daylight. Did you say daylight or standard? I, I said daylight. So that should, that should be seven minus seven, UTC minus seven. There you go. So that's why you're seeing the December 31st, mm-hmm. 1969. Yeah. 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 I thought well. that's what I said. Well, you said slightly um, adjusted, but it was not adjusted. It's that, that is the epic. It's just when you're mm-hmm. in a different time zone, the epic is actually a, at a different, right. different displayed time. Yeah. Right. It's adjusted. <laughs> I, I understand. Fair. fair. Thank you for explaining. No, fair. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you were not wrong. I just added clarity or yep. confusion. Um, To continue, this prevents them from logging into the VPN and other items. We use a curated app store on those Macs called self-service, and apparently there is an app in there that temporarily fixes the bug, but apparently comes back as one of the callers uh, stated it happened another time. The client has to either get it swapped out with a replacement or come into the office and have the level two support somehow fix it. They have to call us so a ticket which serves as a work order can be issued. I don't know what year these Macs are, only that the company leases all of its computers from Insight.com. If it were their personal Macs, I'd suggest zapping the PRAM and SMC, but I'm wondering if the keyboard commands would be blocked by my employer or if this would not fix the problem. Since Apple devices can only use ARD to take control of each other, all we can do is screen share through MS Teams and watch. We use Windows remote assistance for the other computers. Is this a known issue? Is there security software they have to use to comply with HIPAA, FERNA, FENRA, and so all causing this? Um, this is something that I ran into a long time ago. So I don't know how old these machines are, and I'm not sure when Apple stopped doing this. Uh, the only time that I've seen this happen um, is for older Macs that use the button cell 
battery to maintain the t- time and date. And once that battery died, um, you would see the same thing. The machine would typically warn you. It, it, it would say something along the lines of, hey, you know, the time and date is, I think, is like really off. <laughs> you may want to do something about this. Um, so I think that value is still stored in some memory location. Um, oh, I mean, your, your, your Mac is a Unix computer, right? So mm-hmm. it, if it, yes. if it, and, and yes, it will, uh, it will revert to Epic time. If, if the clock is, is reset, it's just, yeah. Counting mm-hmm. the number of seconds since December or January 1st, 1970. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's odd to me that this is happening with modern Macs, but I guess if they, I don't know, if you wipe out enough, it's got to go back to somewhere. So, how does it do it now? Remember, as, as someone put in there uh, in the in the Discord, that you know, it used to be the the CMOS battery, right? Um, how, how do Macs do that now? There's no CMOS battery. There's no, or is um, there that I'm not aware of? There's got to be. Uh, as part of my answer here, I, I can tell you one thing, Pete. Um, if you go to settings, date and time, there is a set date and time automatically, and it points to a working NTP server. I think that's how the problem fixes itself. Yeah, but but like your Mac, even disconnected from the internet, retains time uh, somewhat accurately, yeah. even when it's off. So there's got to be a there's got to still be a battery in there. I, I mean, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, where, where do they hide? I mean, it? like not in a in a in a laptop, no. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, well, in a laptop, there's the obvious battery. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, in a desktop, but there's got to be completely a... dead. Does it reset? Yes. Or does okay? okay. Yes. Because I was just saying, then the settings would kind of take care of that. I leave my settings. I'm always on Eastern time. My home time zone on my yeah. laptop. Yeah. Just for clarity. Yeah. It's the one place that I can. Yeah, yeah. So both Alex and Kiwi Graham are pointing out that that desktop Macs still have cell batteries for sure, button batteries if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, so maybe like if we go to iFixit and say uh, replace iMac battery, right? Oh, it's, I mean, I like this is. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. So the Intel iMac PRAM battery replacement kit, and it looks like <laughs> this one's a BR twenty thirty two. Uh, so yes, the, the answer so is just a little, little hearing aid button batteries. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's more like a big what, hearing aid. <laughs> what we would call watch battery, Pete. Yeah. Watch battery. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, watch, but, Some but, hearing. but really we would call it a CMOS battery. The 2032 is yeah. the classic, uh, yeah. CMOS battery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yes, they are still in there. Barry. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The portables on the other hand, I remember actually, yeah, the, the vintage machine that I have, it was like, gee, where should we put that battery? Oh, let's put it under the CD-ROM drive. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I had to like tear the whole machine apart, including removing the CD-ROM, so I could get to that battery. Yeah, just to get to. Just or I think in my yeah. case, what happened is actually the wire had broken to the battery because the machine was kind of old. Sure. This is interesting because the um, the Mac. I'm looking to see if there's a replacement for the Mac Mini because that was the first of the desktop Apple Silicon Macs. And I'm not seeing an iFixit article to talk about that. Uh, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So, yeah, I'm not because there was a question in the chat. It, do the Apple Silicon Macs have those batteries? So there, there's I mean, there's 
it's got to be somewhere. Yeah. I don't know the answer, folks. If you do, send us that note to feedback at MacGeekGab.com. You know, LinkedIn is a place for you to share your ideas. So whether you're passionate about healthcare, sports and entertainment, tech, finance, or anything in between, there's a community of more than 850 million people who care about the same things you do. When you create and share on LinkedIn, you're not just connecting with other people. You're connecting with opportunities. So whether it's a new job, a speaking engagement, contract work, or more followers, the people who see your work on LinkedIn are the ones who can generate business outcomes. LinkedIn is a place where people help one another in their professional journeys, whatever those might look like. And when you share what you know, the conversations you start can help others develop new skills or inspire them with new perspectives. All you got to do, visit LinkedIn.com today to join the conversation and get the tools you need to reach your audience. That's LinkedIn.com. And hey, guess what? I'm on LinkedIn.com. I'll see you over there. You can even send me a request. We'll link up. It's going to be amazing. Visit LinkedIn.com today, and I'll see you there. John, you want to answer Patrick's or at least address Patrick's tip here? I don't think it's a question. I think it's a tip. Yes, a very good tip because I didn't know about this. Okay. Um, I've been investigating the difference in printing as follows. Many may know this already, but for those of us who need a reference to the URL when writing or composing, this is really helpful. Uh, I may be less than the planet to figure it out, but who knows? No, I don't think you are. Um, scenario, reading information in Safari in the reader mode, which I do often. To save it, go to File, Export as PDF, and it gives one a good printing of the article without URL or references in case it isn't needed. Um, but if one needs the URL references... You instead go to File, Print, PDF, Save as PDF, and that will print out the same reader format, but with the URLs. Oh, oh, that's a nice. good tip. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's interesting because they're both making PDFs, but they're a little different. And I wonder if one, well, probably isn't saving much space, not having the uh, yeah, URLs. Yeah, that's pretty, yeah, yeah, exactly. Huh, I would have thought, I would have presumed they were the same. Obviously, that's why we share these tips so that we know. Fascinating. Oh, cool. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And every now and then I've found like a, I've tried to print a website and and I find that uh, the ones that would otherwise have to scroll, it would cut off on a page. Yeah. That frequently they'll have a print icon somewhere on the page. And I find that to be useful. So look for that as well. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Don't just. Don't just try and print the page, and if it scrolls and cuts off, yeah, right. That, that's what they're doing somehow. So, right, right. I guess that's uh, that's called like frames or something, in, in technical, right? Frames. Uh, when you're building building, a, if someone's built a website in frames, you're only going to print what's visible on the page. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, it, it gets weird because you can yeah. when you're building a website, you can set a different CSS a cascading style sheet for. Um, print layout versus you know the desktop right. layout and so but this is not even doing that this is taking the reader layout which is its own thing that apple is sort of 
cooking together in Safari. Yeah. yeah so yeah. But then giving you the links. That's brilliant. But then giving yeah, the links are handy yeah. in a PDF like that, for yeah. sure. Like if you print the the MacEcab show notes from MacEcab.com, you would want all the links because we painstakingly put those in there. We also have chapters in there, which you can not only see, but if you're using a podcatcher, aka podcast playback client that supports them, and Apple's does, Overcast does, uh, then you can jump around to chapters. For example, if you wanted to get to the next thing, well, I was already telling you this, you could have just jumped and now you'd be here talking about Ken because Ken asks, uh, I am heavily entrenched in the Apple world, but my 65 inch Sony 4k TV is runs Android TV. When I Google my question, I can never find the answer. Uh, he says, so, uh, right now I have a subscription to the Disney bundle that I started on the web at Disney's website. If I cancel that and switch it to an Apple subscription, will I be able to log in to the Disney ESPN and Hulu apps on my non Apple Sony TV? Does Apple provide us with a username and password? And yeah, the, the answer is yes. Um, I don't have my Disney subscription with Apple. Actually, my Disney subscription is paid for by my daughter. This is amazing. This is one of the best. Like it was one of the. Uh, yeah, it's like, wait, I pay for all the subscriptions and you guys use them. This is amazing. I'm getting something back. I, I love her. It's awesome. That's what we call child support, Dave. You're yeah. Getting child support. That's right. <laughs> I am getting support from my child. There you go. That's uh, more of that, please. Uh, no, actually, I, I, I'll, I'll take care of myself. My kids will take care of themselves. That, that's a good path to head down. Uh but I do have my Netflix subscri subscription that I pay for on via Apple, right? Uh, and largely because for a time I was getting Apple gift cards at a discount and then using those to pay all of my subscriptions, which is a great way to sort of get an effective discount, right? Uh, but regardless of how I pay for it, the account is connected to a an email, right? Like it, it's the, the payment is happening through Apple, but my Netflix account is tied to my email address. And in fact, I had to change my email address because I had it at my Mac observer address. And, uh, you know, obviously I changed that after we sold the site and that it was no problem, but I'm still able to pay for it there. So you're going to have the same thing with Disney. You will have a login and then you will choose to pay your bill inside of the app on an Apple device. And then boom, you're good to go. So makes sense. Right? Everybody yeah. you know with that? Yeah, okay. Cool. Perfect. I know. It's good stuff. I like it. Uh, the next thing that the chapters are going to bring us is to Cool Stuff Found. We've got a little bit of time left, and I wanted to share a few of these. The first came from Brian in Discord. We were talking about uh, time zones earlier in this episode, and he uh, linked us to an, or sent us a link to an app called Else When. And this is uh, an app that you can run uh, It's in the Mac app store, but I believe it also exists for uh, iPhone and iPad. So it's available for everything. And Elsewhen uh, makes it easy to pick a date and time amongst multiple people from different time zones because it will just start showing things right there in the uh, in the app. It's, it actually looks really cool. You got to just go check it out. It's a it's a fun one. So. Uh, nice. Related to that, I had like, I don't even think it was an email. It might have been just a maybe it was an email, a text message or something. But somebody said, uh, I'll see you at, you know, let's meet it at twenty one hundred UTC. And I held on that in uh, iOS 16 
And it showed me that in Eastern time because I was in Eastern time when I held on that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Right? Yeah. It's pretty good stuff. John, you want to share what uh, Greg's got there for us? Yeah. Greg's got a cool one. This is a, this is fantastic for those monitors that don't have a good way to control monitor brightness. And the sounds, especially if the monitor controls don't show up in the system preferences, displays. Also, whatever screen the cursor is on, you can use the Apple keyboard to also change the brightness. Uh, and we'll link to it. It's something called monitor control. Cool. And I installed it on my uh, mini. Well, I installed it on both my machines. Uh, and you can access... Uh, the various monitor settings, either through a menu bar shortcut thingy, um, and it gives you sliders for brightness and volume and maybe some other things. Uh, or you could, yeah, so you can use the that, or you can use the keyboard and the function keys to do it. And I was very impressed. So when I put it on my mini, so I have two monitors on my mini, um, if I did F1 and F2, which are typically the keys assigned to make it brighter or not or less bright um i actually got on my screen the uh brightness icon which i've never seen on this machine before um apparently they're using something called ddc control is a protocol that lets you tell monitors what to do um it's beyond me why apple doesn't include a brightness slider in the displays yeah yeah this machine so this is how you get around it. Oh, that's fascinating, man. Huh. Yeah, direct digital control. Interesting. Huh. I've, yeah. Okay. So I learned about a new standard, and uh, but I'm still confused as to why Apple doesn't do this. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know, I, I mean, yeah, we could speculate all we like it's we're never going to get there uh the so the next thing we will do though is go to the next cool stuff found which is the riot power cloud gaming controller for for ios xbox xbox edition right this is a you, you can connect to your xbox with your iphone and play games on your and you see it happen on your phone from remote or however you want to do it and what this Riot Power controller does is it lets you mount your iPhone in an Xbox controller, and it's a seamless experience. I was messing with this thing, and it's wired, so you get like no latency. Uh, you know, you're you're, you're it, it it happens as fast as it can. It is a standard Xbox controller, but it's got like a little grip for your iPhone, and your iPhone almost sits over your hands. So it's right there. Like, you don't need to see the buttons. You, you know where the buttons are. And your iPhone sort of sits in a perfect spot. It's clearly well-engineered. And, uh, it, and, and you get this whole kind of latency-free experience with your Xbox. So if you're, if you're into doing this with your iPhone, I highly recommend checking this thing out. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a cool little thing. And I, I'm looking at the price on Amazon. At the moment, it is $69.99 on Amazon. So you can get it, get it delivered right away. So nice. I know fun stuff. Yeah. I, I love these kinds of things. It's, uh, it's good. Anything else on that? I have one last cool stuff found. I want to share because I, because I love Pixelmator and Pixelmator three just came out. Uh, I, 
this is this is a uh, if you don't use Pixelmate, we were talking earlier in the show about the, all the magic that you can do with your phone and, mm. you know, with the, the pulling the pictures out. Well, Pixelmator is like, well, it's like Photoshop, but better and way less expensive. Like it's not there's not even a comparison there. Right. And uh it does. It's so easy to use. I use Pixelmator to to build all the episode images that we do. Now, this is a super simple way of doing it. Uh, a super simple use case for Pixelmator. It can do so much more than that, but it really makes life easy. And this new version adds all these design templates to it uh, and a bunch of mockups so that you can kind of mess with things. It's uh, and it'll pull out the colors in your documents so that you can sort of keep a color scheme consistent. And it just sort of makes it all happen automatically. I, I don't know. Do you guys use Pixelmator? Is that a thing for either of you? I use Acorn. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, so it, it turns out, I guess, I think it's, you know, what you learn to use first. Uh, oh, yes. And, and <laughs> yes, for sure. You know, and they've done a nice job keeping, keeping it up. That's flyingmeat.com. I think. Yeah. Right. Just yeah. 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 I'll but, put a link uh, to Acorn in there too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Uh, yeah I, 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 Pixel, I tried learning Photoshop years ago and, and failed. Photoshop's hard. I'm sorry. It's yeah, too I guess confusing. It's powerful, but it's hard. Yeah, it's not intuitive. It, it is powerful, but I, I, from people who I know who actually have learned Photoshop and then have you started using Pixelmator, tell me that Pixelmator is more powerful than Photoshop. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've, so, ne- I've never putzed with it. I would like to, you know, I'll play I, th- with there's it. a free trial you can go get from yeah. the yeah from the website. Yeah. And then, I mean, I think the, the purchase is 40 bucks. So, you know, compare that to Photoshop. <laughs> so, yeah. right. You know, yeah, yeah. 40 bucks a day for a couple of weeks for and then you've got it. <laughs> 40 bucks a um, day for a couple of weeks. Yes, John. For me, preview does most of what I need, but um. You can't Another really thing that I've used edit Dave. with preview though, like you couldn't make the, you can't put images together and and lay it out. Uh, right. Preview. You can you can mark up and you can you can you mark up. Crop and yeah, you can crop and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. The, what you may want to look at, and apparently it's still out there, is GIMP. Oh man. Ah. Hey, it's still out there, yeah. man, and the price yeah. is right. Sure. Sure. It's free. Yeah, GIMP for Mac. It is. It, it was. It was like a Photoshop clone, right? That open source is yes. GNU yeah. image manipulation program. I think is what it stands for. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it a Photoshop clone. Sorry, I, I'll call it a uh, Photoshop um, replacement. replacement. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, all right. Yeah, we'll put uh, we'll put GIMP in there, and we will put um, we will put um, Acorn. Acorn. That's the one. Thank you. Yes. All right. You get old. It's bad for your memory. Oh, wait a minute. You are getting old. It's what happens. Hey, <laughs> that's true. Later this later this week. In fact, by Monday, Dave will be older than he is today. That's true. Yeah, Saturday. By the time you hear this. It's, if, uh, yeah, that's right. I, Saturday either is or was my birthday, and I'll yeah. I'll uh, I'll let you enjoy the linear time exercise that is involved in that. Uh, processing that data so from from this point in linear time happy birthday tomorrow dave thanks pete i appreciate it man it's good stuff yeah that's i'm happy to get older because uh a i lead a charmed life and b getting older is as far as i can tell much better than the alternative so exactly you know there you go if you want to hear more uh words of wisdom from pete and his fly boy buddies 
That was a, a, a line from, from Fletch, by the way, the Flyboy Buddies thing. I just watched Fletch this week. I watched both Fletches. Uh, the new Fletch um, uh, uh, with John Hamm, it's okay. And then, uh, we, and then we had to go watch the old Fletch. It's two different the stories. The original with Chevy Chase. Yeah, well, the original with yeah. Chevy Chase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, but if you want to the water buffalo, can I yeah. borrow your towel? <laughs> can I borrow your towel? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there I was is Pilot Pete's podcast. Go check it out. So there I was dot us. Thank you for that. Yeah, Thank stuff. you to all the MGG listeners who are listening and sharing, and we are growing faster than I ever dreamed possible. <laughs> I, it's crazy. I, faster than I dreamed possible too, man. Like it's amazing how how well it's going. Yeah. yeah. Our thanks so to thank uh, you everybody. Yeah, and our thanks to Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. Please go to macgeekab.com slash reviews and leave us a review. We will read your reviews on the show, of course, uh, but it really helps us with the whole Apple ecosystem that we are happy to be a part of. Thanks to uh, our sponsors, linkedin.com slash mgg, rogue amoeba at macaudio.com with their 20% off. MaxSales.com for other world computing. John, do you have anything important to share, my friend? I have three things to share with you both. And that is some advice. Don't get caught. Made up.